Welcome to our Outsmart podcast series in association with Pigeon Investments. Here we highlight how investors can navigate today's challenging circumstances and better understand the opportunities created by the new normal. For example, we know that many offices stand empty because of the pandemic, but opportunity in commercial real estate is abundant. From warehouses storing volumes of goods being ordered by at-home workers to the physical data centers keeping records of these online transactions. I'm Valentina Romeo, Deputy Editor of CityWire Engage, and today we're joined by Rick Romano, Managing Director and Head of Global Real Estate Securities Business for PGM Real Estate to discuss shifts that have taken place across the property market and how investors can find opportunities within the sector. Thank you, Rick, for being with us today. Thank you, Valentina. Happy to be here. Why has the case for REITs improved over recent months and how has COVID affected the area? Yeah, so we, we have seen, we definitely have seen improvements in, in the case for REITs over the past few months. I think when you think about the pandemic, uh, what happened originally is that it really hit at the heart of real estate. We had shopping malls closed, hotels closed, um, you know, uh, work from home where offices were, were shut down. And, and that had a big impact on real estate. And at one point we saw global real estate, we saw REITs down 40% for the year. Now, what's happened since then, uh, we, we had sort of, uh, I think as you alluded to in your opening comments, we had a bit of a bifurcation in the REIT market where we had property types that were either benefiting or being less impacted by the pandemic and those that, as I mentioned, were directly hit by the pandemic. And so the property types like last mile industrial that were benefiting from e-commerce trends that were being pulled forward because people could not go out and shop, you had new entrants into that market and then that demand's gonna be sticky. So um, improving demands in industrial, uh, cloud-based usage, the demand for streaming services, real estate and REITs can benefit from that through the ownership of data centers, which is a pretty big footprint in, in, in the market. What's interesting in the recent months is that as we've gotten further into the pandemic, we just got big vaccine news last month on November 9th. What did that mean for the REIT market? A lot of those property types that were negatively impacted by the pandemic and the shutdowns now see a path to recovery, right? You could look at the world now in six months, nine months, whatever the right metric is, maybe it's 12 months and get back to sort of a new normal and so property types that were hit hard that have demand trends that are still intact will benefit. So we're seeing, um, I think, you know, sort of an interest in, in, in our positioning, and we'll probably get into that a little bit later, but hotel companies where particularly leisure pleasure travel, there's pent up demand for that. We'll see that come back. And so um, fundamentals will, will improve over the next 12 months in that property type. And then when you look at other parts, you know, we think there's some secularly challenged areas. While you may see people going back to work and getting closer to a new normal, work from home is going to cause some sort of permanent negative impact on demand. So they may not come back like they were in 2019 
but it'll certainly improve from 2020. So it's really this big spectrum between those that benefited from sort of the COVID trends, shifting to those that are benefiting from sort of the recovery in COVID as we move to a vaccine and a reopening. How have uh, listed and public real estate uh, performed relative to each other during the pandemic? And why should investors consider one over the other? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think there's a place in investors' portfolio for, for both listed and, and uh, private. And in terms of performance, when you, when you look at the pandemic, the thing about the listed markets is, is that they react immediately. So once we had the lockdowns in March, we saw the public global REIT markets sell off to a trough of 40% down. We didn't see that in the private markets at all. Um, and you know, part of that is that uh, private markets aren't traded real time and, and aren't priced in, in a real time basis. So um, they're appraisal based. And what we saw there were some gradual markdowns and you know, maybe some markdowns over time where maybe it's five to you know, 10% type markdowns depending on your property type. Um, but we also saw in certain parts of Europe uh, in particular, we saw some of these private funds put gates up and shut down to liquidity. So if you're an investor in that fund and wanted to redeem you, you could not get out. So one of the advantages of listed is that because of the liquidity that's priced every day, you can get in or out of that uh, investment uh, you know, in the same day, which is very important in times of you know, crisis like a pandemic, if investors need liquidity one of the things about listed versus um, the private real estate uh, sort of footprint, let's call it, is that you do have a larger footprint in sort of the investable vehicles of those non-core property types like data centers that have secular growth ahead of them that um, you know are less impacted by what was going on in the pandemic. So. Um, even areas that uh, were impacted like the pandemic that are called non-core like healthcare, a bigger footprint in the private market, I mean, public market than private market. Um, manufactured housing, single family rentals. So these property types that are emerging and less cyclical because their market, their addressable market is still growing. They're less cyclical than you know, things like apartments or office or retail. And it's easier to access those uh, much easier to access those in the public listed markets than in the private markets. What are the real estate sectors where you see opportunity and what areas tend to benefit from the structural shifts that COVID-19 has caused? Uh, certainly what we've seen is certain trends that were in place prior to the pandemic have been pulled forward. Demand trends have really been pulled forward and that would include the way that technology is disrupting real estate and what that means about how people live, work and play today. So um, when you think about retail and shopping, that was already being disrupted pre-pandemic, right? We've seen e-commerce really um, hitting bricks and mortar retail sales. That has been benefiting last mile industrial companies, right? All that e-commerce Instead of going to the retailer, it's going direct from last mile industrial warehouses to your garage or to your home. 
Um, so that is sustainable. That as we go out of the pandemic, that trend will continue. Penetration will continue. Grocery e-commerce, so shopping for food online, that was very lightly penetrated globally prior to the pandemic. Think about the market share of online grocery shopping about two to 3% prior to the pandemic. And now when you look at that, you've seen massive acceleration in demand there. And people have used it for the first time and, and they love it. That will be sticky. And, and who does that benefit? That benefits some of the cold storage companies. So these are refrigerated warehouse companies that you know either have regional distribution centers where they could do same day delivery service. They could fulfill those grocery orders. Uh, so really a big benefit there. And again, um, where there's a winner in real estate due to technology disruption, there's, there's a loser. And, and the, the shopping centers, the grocery anchored retailers um, work from home. You know, we, we've all experienced it. It's gone, I think most people will tell you that it's gone better than they thought it would. The technology has held up better. And that's gonna have a long-term impact uh, on office demand. Um, if workers can be as productive and have a great work-life balance, um, companies get a cost savings. There's a benefit to the environment in terms of the carbon footprint with less people commuting. Um, it, it's sort of a win-win, you know, a, across the, the platform. So, you know, our view is that there is going to be an impact on office demand. It's just at this point, it's hard to say whether is that going to be a 5% reduction in global office demand? Is that going to be a 20% reduction in global office demand? Um, but what we, you know, can say is that as we reopen, the office is going to look a lot different than it did prior to the pandemic. And there's gonna be a lot of permanent shifts uh, as a result of that. It makes it really important to, to be an active real estate manager in this environment to understand you know, all of these nuances that are occurring. I think the last one I'll touch on is hotels. So I, you know, as you think about business travel going forward, there will likely be some you know, permanent demand shift downward in business travel because some of these meetings that you had to go in person for, um, you could do those online now through Zoom meetings and particularly probably internal meetings. So company within company. Um, a lot of those will be replaced by, you know, video Zoom meetings. Whereas I, I think, you know, people who want to go see a client, they're going to go out and get in front of a client because if they don't, their competitor will. So they're going to want to get on a plane and travel to do that. So we don't think the, the demand shift will be as dramatic in hotels, but there'll certainly be a demand shift. Um, and then, you know, thinking about the other impacts of office, if you're fully remote, you can live wherever you want. Um, if you're coming in once or twice a week, that sort of expands your commuting footprint a bit to, you know, be, be broader. So that's benefiting suburban areas. It's hurting urban areas. Um, and whether the urban areas fully recover, you know, um, and get back to what they were prior to the pandemic is, is very much up in the air at this point. Um, there will likely be, you know, certainly some reduction in apartment demand uh, that we've seen already. We've seen the move outs, but permanent reduction in apartment demand in these cities um, if there's going to be a bigger work from home component. As this new wave of the pandemic unfolds and Europe locks down again, 
How is the real estate market, especially commercial property, likely to be affected? Um, what you're going to see in sort of the quarterly numbers on the most economically sensitive real estate property types are you're going to see a bit of a slowdown, right? Because as the economies um, went on rolling lockdowns or shutdowns, that limits economic activity. So think about, you know, fourth quarter hotel earnings numbers, revenue numbers, um, you know, taking a bit of a pause from the reopening uh, benefits that they were beginning to see, uh, you know, in, in the beginning of the third quarter, say, in, in the summer months. So um, that's sort of temporary, though. So I think with the vaccine news out there, if you can sort of look through that and say, okay, we know that 4Q isn't going to be great. We know the winter is not going to be great. There's a second wave that's going to create limited economic activity for hotels, for retailers. Um, however, uh, if we can say that once we get a fully distributed vaccine sometime in 2021, that you know, hotel demand spikes back pretty quickly. New normal is going to be different than what it was in 2019 post-vaccine because of all the shifts that we just sort of highlighted in terms of demand and the permanent impacts. How do you see this translated in terms of flows um, into commercial property in Europe specifically? Yeah, so I think in terms of investor flows, you know, certainly in the, the beginning of the pandemic and for the first couple of quarters after, um, we did not see a lot of transactional activity. So typically what happens in periods of, um, you know, extremes where, you know, particularly a pandemic would certainly classify as that, um, you see the transaction market sort of freezes up. And the only people who sell are people who have to sell property, right? So in investment decisions, a lot of times are deferred and, and put on hold until they get more clarity on, on the environment. That started to change a bit in 4Q. We have seen some transactions during the pandemic in areas like London and office, but those were really, you know, I would say very high quality properties where you had a high credit quality tenant with a long-term lease. So the risk profile of that asset was you know, reasonably low. So we had seen some foreign investors willing to, to go into uh, those areas. Um, industrial, the demand for some of these property types that were winners, I would say they've sort of been the exception in that there continues to be in Europe and across the world, demand for industrial warehouse, last mile logistics. So that has sort of held steady and valuations you know, have been quite strong for that property type in, in the pandemic. So in terms of interest in listed property and fund flows, we are seeing demand from European investors for real estate now. I think the view is that listed real estate is a value play and will participate in the recovery because they were disproportionately hit uh, in the pandemic and directly hit in the downturn as real estate was closed as we reopen and you know, they look at this as a value trade. So I think the vaccine news has created fund flows into the listed real estate space as people look at that recovery and have more confidence in that occurring and get visibility on timing of when that occurs as well. Fantastic, thanks again for joining us today, Rick. Thank you, I appreciate it. For professional investors only, all investments involve risk, including the possible loss of capital. The views expressed by PGM is not intended to constitute investment advice, were accurate at the time of recording, and are subject to change. 
References to specific securities and their issuers are for illustrative purposes only and are not intended and should not be interpreted as recommendations to purchase or sell such securities. Issued by PGM Limited. PGM Limited is authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority of the United Kingdom with firm reference number 193418. PGM Limited is authorized to provide services or operate with a passport in various jurisdictions in the EEA. Prudential Financial Incorporated of the United States is not affiliated in any manner with Prudential PLC, Incorporated in the United Kingdom, or with Prudential Assurance Company, a subsidiary of MNG PLC, Incorporated in the United Kingdom.